How are you? Are you in expectation? Good. Are you like a kid at Christmas? <laughs> awesome. That's good. Are you like a kid on Christmas morning? Yeah, good. What was it that Luke said the other day? We said we're going to cancel Christmas or something. What did he say to that? <laughs> he was like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> See, that's good expectation. <laughs> you know, you tell a kid you're gonna cancel Christmas, they know you're you you're kidding. Yeah, you you're pulling my leg. It's no doubt you nah, you're joking with me. See, that's the way we ought to be when the devil presents you with something that's lack. Oh, no, that's a lie. (laughs) That that ain't true, right? That's the expectation of a child. And that's the kind of things that we need to pay attention to. So anyway, we've, uh, I wanted to talk this morning. We've been talking about uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about uh, victory over attacks, right? Victory over attacks. Has anybody gotten anything out of that since we've been talking about it, right? Anybody ever had an attack? Oh, I, I... you can, you can say me, and, and uh, you can amen, you can shout, run, laugh, the joy of the Lord. You're not going to scare me, but um, here's the thing. Anybody ever had an attack? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anybody maybe needs some deliverance from an attack right now? Right? So, here's the great thing. I mean, if you don't have an attack, then, you know, is there anything for Jesus to do? Oh, now you're getting deep, Pastor. Stop asking questions like that. You know, as, no, here's the thing. He, we're overcomers. That means we've got, we're overcoming something. He gives us the victory. Well, it's got to be victory over something, right? He's made these promises. It's not bad to have an attack. It's what do we do in the middle of the attack? How do we handle it, right? Do we trust on God? Do we believe on Him? Uh, what, what do we do when that attack comes. So not too long ago, we did a a series called What to Do When All Hell Breaks Loose, right? And uh, what to do when all hell breaks loose. And, you know, you may have the attack may not be something that's horrible in your life, but maybe you just, maybe you need some presents for your kids for Christmas. Maybe, maybe you need to pay a light bill. Maybe you just, you know, had that little creak in your back that needs healing. Maybe there's, you know, you just needed healing in your body. Maybe you just needed all of that, right? Uh, can I get an amen? Anyway, anybody ever been there? It's like, yeah, I'll take all of that. A little bit of that. I'll take that too. Like, you know, like you're in the store. Like, I'll take some of that and take some of that and take some of that. And you know what? Jesus is big enough to do all that. Jesus is big enough to handle all of that. But here's the thing. Has he already handled it? Yes, he has. He's handled it on the cross. All right. Then why is it not handled in our lives? Why is it not handled in our lives yet? If he's handled it, which he has. Biblically, he's already done everything he needed to do. When he died and rose again, that was everything that he needed to do in your life. So why is it not handled in our life yet? The reason is because God has always, with mankind, wanted them to be what I would call a covenant partner. In other words, He made a covenant with mankind and He wants to partner with us. Do you remember, uh, you remember in the garden 
remember one of the things that he told Adam? He said, watch over this garden, right? He said, watch over this garden, be fruitful and multiply the blessing. Now, here's the question. Couldn't God have watched over the garden? Wasn't that within his ability to watch over the garden? Why did he ask Adam to do it? He desired the fellowship of a covenant partner. He desired to have children made in his image in that way. And so he made man in his image and likeness. And then he said, here, do the things that I do. Don't I get excited if one of our kids does something like me? If it's good, I do. If it's bad, I don't. But, you know, you know, the other day, I don't remember what it was. We've had several of these moments recently. But, you know, Nicole and I will be watching. Luke will do something. And we're like, oh, my baby. You know, and uh, it's like they're taking after us, you know. God desires that too. He wants us to do the kind of things he does. Well, what does he do? He speaks and life is created. He speaks and the blessing multiplies. He speaks. This is why when we pray, it's important to speak. Not, it's not a mental, mm, you know, that's not how we pray, right? We speak. Lord, let the light of God be in my family. Lord, save that person. Lord, bring healing to my body now. I stand up against that thing. See, he's desiring covenant partners. You remember when uh, uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah was about to be destroyed? You remember that? And... God went by Abraham's house. God went by Abraham's house and had a conversation with Abraham about it. Did he have to do that? No. Why did he go by there and have that conversation with Abraham? Because he wanted to partner with mankind. Does he have to? No. But he sees you as important. He sees you as important. He sees you and says, I love you. I want to partner with you. What things are important to you? God says they're important to me. And, and if we're fulfilling our end, we should say, Lord, what things are important to you? They're important to me. Yeah. Right? But he wants to partner with us. So a lot of times what happens is God's already paid the price for us to have healing, for us to be born again, for us to receive deliverance, for us to have uh, financial provision in our life, for us to have protection. Right? He's paid the price for all of these things to happen. But a lot of times Christians aren't walking it or the world's not walking it because they don't realize that they have a part of the partnership. God said, I've provided it all. It's kind of like what I said earlier, that plug on the wall. It's a partnership with you. If you don't go plug the plug in and flip the light switch, you're never going to see power. It's the same way with God. God's provided it. It's there. Now it's my job to take a step of faith, an action, faith without works is dead, and to plug in. Well, what we're going to talk about is a way to do that. God's provided solutions to every attack that would ever happen in your life. The issue is, are we plugging in? Or are we letting circumstances disconnect us? So the word says, yeah, let's turn real quick uh, to 1 John. It's been coming up a lot today. 1 John 5, 4. First John 5, 4. Now it says this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. 
So when you become born again, have you ever wanted to overcome and be an overcomer and be victorious? Then the first step in that is you need to be born of God. You need to have had life given to you through God. That means to be born again, to receive eternal life. We need to have life that we receive from Jesus Christ. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Now, here's what, I'm, here's what I'm, I want you to see. The world, what does that represent? Now, the world there represents the corrupted world system. We're not talking about God's world. Why would you need to overcome God's world? It's not talking about the good things. It's not talking about that. This is talking about the lack, the corruption. Do you understand? You know, you've heard this verse before. The wages of sin is death, right? The wages. In other words, there's a price to pay for sin, and that's death. Now, here's what one thing that most people don't understand. Most people think that that's like, I, I die physically. <laughs> And it does. Sin will actually produce in you a quicker death. Your time on the earth will not be as long. Sin, uh, I, you know, as time goes on, um, you know, I'm, I'm 45 right now. As time goes on, what I've seen is I've watched people, you know, I go to school with stuff like that. And I watch people who went after the Lord and I watch people who didn't go after the Lord. And, it, and now about my age, you start to see a difference just in how they look. Because the wages of not following God carries with it a penalty and you're starting to see those lives being shortened already and you can even see it physically because the, it's, whether they believe it or not doesn't make it not true. The wages of sin is death. But ultimately what that death that it's talking about is a disconnection from the Father, a disconnection from God. See, if God is life, then if I disconnect from life, I immediately begin to die. Now, if I will take that, let's just take our finances, right? Can I have death in my finances? I can tell you, you can have death in your finances. We've been there. We've been there before plenty of times. You can have death in your finances. What does it come from? The word says this. He says, he says, I have given you, God says, I've given you the power to get wealth and add no sorrow to that wealth. Right? So who gives us, who's the life source of our finances? The same life source in anything else. God is. And, but if I start to sin, I disconnect from my life source. So all of a sudden now, now the very person that I need in sin, it disconnects me. So I need to get that relationship fixed quickly. Because if I can keep that relationship solid, I'll be hooked up to the life source and it'll be good. What happens if, if, if you had a finger and it got chopped off? You know, what do they do? Like the fingers lying there, it just happened. What do they say to do? Man, put it in ice and get to the hospital quick. Why? Because it's got to be reattached fast. Because if it's not reattached fast, it won't stay on when you attach it. <laughs> I'm getting funny faces like, oh, that's gross. You know what? That's, listen, that's a lot cleaner looking than our lives look spiritually when we disconnect from God. I literally started to do a, a message one time called A Bloody Mess. 
And the, and the picture would be a, something disconnected like that. Because that's what we are when we're not connected to God and we're not connected to the body where he's planted us. We're a bloody mess. And so what we have to understand is when I connect, why is it that the finger stays alive? Because it's connected. But as soon as it's disconnected, it starts to die, right like that. Well, the same thing in our life, in our health. Our health starts to die when we disconnect from the things of God. Our finances start to die when we disconnect from the things of God. Our, our protection in our life starts to die when we disconnect from the things of God. When we disconnect everything in our life that God would make full to the full till it overflows, it starts to disconnect. Right? So it says this. It says, look, this is the... That everything that's born of God overcomes the world. So in other words, if we will take our life in God and stay connected to Him, God's called you to be an overcomer. He's called you to be an overcomer. But then He says this, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So this is the victory that overcomes lack, our faith. What is that? That's partnership. He's done his part. My part is to trust in him. Remember we read at the beginning of the series, uh, Jesus said this, this is your work to believe. This is your work to believe, to have faith. This is your work to have faith. So even though God may have provided life to the full till it overflows, we don't necessarily walk in it if we don't do our part. And we actually step into the place where our part is to have faith and trust in God. Now, let's look real quick at John 10.10 just to show again a clarity. Let's put it up in the Amplified, John 10.10. Now remember, we're talking about victory over attacks. How do we have victory over anything? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And we've got to trust in the Lord. Now look at this, John 10, 10, in the Amplified, it kind of breaks it out. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his job description. He's constantly, you know, you can see that there. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. The devil comes, he's got three things on his mind. Stealing from you, killing from you, and destroying things in your life. That's the only thing that's on his mind. You also see a very strong dividing line between him and God. God comes and what does he want? He said, Jesus said this, I came that they may have And enjoy life. So one, I came that they may have life and that they may enjoy life. They'll have it and enjoy it. This is why Jesus came. And then it says, but not only just life, but to have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. To the full till it overflows. To the full till it... So if we're just like scraping by, we're not receiving everything that God's made available. What makes the difference between what's available and what we're walking in. Our trust in Him, our faith. The victory that overcomes that gap is, Lord, do I see you as my life source? Do I see you as the one who gives me full life? Do I trust you as that? Does Kind of like with Luke. You know, if we told him, you know, Christmas is canceled, he's like, y'all are pulling my leg, right? 
And when the devil comes and he tries to tell you, uh, oh no, you're sick. That can't be. God's given me life. By his stripes I'm healed. Oh, your bank, your bank account's always going to stay this way forever because you were born on the wrong side of the tracks in the wrong family. You know, you're always going to stay this way because of whatever life's given you. That can't be. Because I have a king. I have a life source. I'm connected to somebody bigger than who I was born to here on the earth. I was born of God, and whoever's born of God overcomes lack, overcomes the corrupted world, overcomes the the, uh, death, because I'm connected to a life source. So you start to realize that when I'm born again and I I know Christ, all of a sudden I'm connected to a life source that's bigger than lack. I can't stay here. I can't stay where I was when I first came into church. I can't stay at that place. There's no other choice for me but to go up. Because I'm connected to a life source. I'm connected to a life source. You start doing the things that you need to do to get healthy. Guess what happens to your body? Your body starts getting healthy. It's got no other choice. You're putting the right things in it. You start connecting to a life source that will put the right things in you. All of a sudden, you've got no other choice but to go up. That's the way it works. Now, why would we disconnect from that? Well, let me tell you. The, the you know, series that we've been in is victory over attacks. And why would the devil attack? He would attack you. To get you to disconnect from the life source. To get you thinking more about the attack than you think about the source. It's the same thing that happened in a corrupted uh, mind and corrupted body when Jesus and Peter walked on the water. Jesus and Peter, they're walking on top of the water. Supernatural. Supernatural provision. Beating gravity. Beating the, the physical laws with supernatural laws. A supernatural victory over the gravity, over the water. They should be sinking. They're walking on the water. Jesus keeps on walking on the water, but Peter sinks. Why? Because he looked at the attack. He looked at the wind and the waves. He looked at what he could see with his eyes, hear with his ears, feel the water and the wind the, you know, blowing on his face. He looked at everything around him. He looked at the bank account. He looked at the doctor's report. He looked at something that somebody told him, oh, we're canceling Christmas. He looked at something else and didn't focus on the source. See, the attack is simply this, the devil trying to get you to understand that, that God's canceling Christmas because you messed up. No, or God's canceling Christmas because you were born on the, in the wrong place or to the wrong family. No, God's not canceling Christmas. God's not canceling that. you got to understand, all that is is an attack trying to get you to believe so that you will disconnect from faith and not do your part. He's already done his part. It'll always be that. He's not withholding any good thing. He's trying to get you to back off of it. So when we have victory over attacks, we start, the first thing we need to realize is my job is to believe as a child, to have faith as a child. My job is to not disconnect faith. No matter what happens, no matter what I see, no matter with the wind or the waves or the attacks or, or, or ankles breaking or finances not coming in. No, I'm not going to believe anything but in the power and the love of my God. Amen. Nothing. It's not changed. 
You see over in James chapter 1 that his love, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness. His love doesn't change. It doesn't turn to the left or to the right. It doesn't change. Devil, I don't care what you throw at me. I won't let go of what I know about my loving Father. I won't let go. I won't let go. I won't let go. I won't let go. And when you get that inside of you, you are already on your way to the victory over the tax. I won't let go of my faith. I won't let go of my part of the relationship. I won't let go of what I know about God. You're coming to steal, kill, and destroy, but you've already been beaten. You're coming to do that. Jesus has already come and connected me to life and life to the full till it overflows and it'll never change. I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. All of a sudden, let's look at this. I want to show you a couple of stories. Luke chapter 13. Yesterday, while we were out in Troy, I had the opportunity to pray with somebody. And uh, you, could, you could tell. And when I prayed, it just kind of was... It wasn't received fully. They wanted, you ever, you ever been, you've probably been like this. I've been like this. Like I want to believe, but I just don't feel like I can. Like I've got no hope in that moment. And that's the way when we prayed, that's the way it felt. And I, and I said, did you know that God loves you as much as he loves me? And he wants to do good for you just like he did for me. And that was it. You could tell because it was like tilt, you know, <laughs> no. I can't believe that. Why? Because I'm a preacher? Did you know me before I was a preacher? <laughs> None y'all did, let me just say. <laughs> None y'all knew me before I was a preacher. <laughs> and I'm real happy about that. <laughs> I had plenty of mess and sin and stuff. And guess what? I even had mess and sin and stuff after I was a preacher. What? For real? What, you think, you think all temptations go away because you decide to take on the church? No, they multiply. Yes. Yeah. They multiply. Yeah. That's the way it works. Yeah. Why? Because he doesn't want you getting going. He doesn't want the anointing flowing. That's right. He doesn't want people getting free. But you've got to learn how to take control of your flesh Put the flesh down and walk those things out. Generally, if you see somebody that's ordained by God in a position like that, they've learned how to do those things at least on a, a level that's generally higher than other people have. That's all. They've just learned. Well, what does that mean? If they've learned it, it can be learned. It can be the grace. What they've really learned to do is to apply the grace that God's given. And if you just apply the same grace that you have, through Jesus, you'll see the same results. So it's not an issue of who does God love more. It's an issue of who believes him more and who will walk that out more. Who will not let go of his goodness and his grace? Who will not let go? So one of the things that you see is I want to show you these stories in Luke. I prayed, I said, I, when I prayed with that uh, uh, person yesterday, I said, look, God will do the same things for you as he did for me. And I said, let me show you right now. I said, here, take my hand. And when I pray for you, you're going to feel God touch your life. He's going to start to touch your heart. He's going to move in your body. And, and you're going to feel him. And it, this is what he's saying. I see you. I will help you. Like this guy standing in front of you saying, 
I will love on you. I started praying. All of a sudden, that person, they started feeling the power of God and the love of God started coursing through their, through their body. And I said, listen, now, can I do that myself without God? They were like, no. I said, what's he telling you? He's telling you, I'm here for you. I love you. I see you. And I will help you. I will help you. Now, let's look at this. This is Luke chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. Luke chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. And let's just read this story. It says, Now, on the same occasion, there were some uh, present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So what you had was you had Galileans who were worshiping God and they were offering sacrifices and Pilate came in and killed them right in the middle of their worship and their blood and the the sacrifice's blood mixed. Great. That would be like us worshiping and somebody coming in here, you know, a king ordering everybody in here to be killed. That's what it was like. That's what happened. Okay, this is, what, this is not a made-up story. This is not a parable. This is what really happened. So it was reported uh, to Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that the Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? Now, I don't know about you, but if you've hung around me long enough, every now and then I'll throw out a question like this. Yes. And sometimes these are not questions that you should answer. Like, cause it's, and I'll even, when I'm preaching, I'll be like, it's a trick. Don't answer this. It, there's another side to it. This is kind of like one of those questions. Like Jesus is setting them up for a point, you know, in love, of course. And, uh, but he's, he's kind of setting up this point. He's like, do you think that they sinned more? Do you think that they sinned more? And then he says, I tell you no. In other words, they didn't, they didn't sin more in this case. He says, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now understand that repent means to change direction. To change your thinking, to change direction. Unless you do things differently, you'll perish as, as well. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem. In other words, here's this tower. It just fell one day in what looks like uh, an accident or whatever, and it killed 18 men. It's like, did they sin more? So Jesus is getting to a point here, and then he says this, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, what's important is, he's saying, look, where does, where does man's corrupted mind go to? A corrupted mind always wants to know why. Why? So what happens when you find yourself in a bad place? What does our mind do? Why am I here? How did I get here? Why is this happening to me? And so a lot of times we just want to answer the, we want an answer to the question, why? But I'm telling you, and this is what Jesus is kind of attacking here. He's saying, why? Let me show you another story, and then you, it's going to clear up to you. Let's go to John chapter 9, and verse 1 through 7. John 9, 
verse 1 through 7. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from, say it with me, birth. So when was he blind from? Birth. Verse 2, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he would be born blind? Now, hold up. The man was blind from birth. And they're asking him from a corrupted thinking. From a corrupted thinking, they're asking him, who sinned? What are they asking? Why? Why is this man blind? Why is this man blind? They're asking, why is this man blind? But look at what they're saying. Well, you telling me the baby sinned while he was in the womb? Like when he could, he could make a choice in the womb to sin or not? See, corruption, <laughs> corruption will take us to the place where we start trying to even assign blame where blame can't even be had. This is what's known as a condemnation and trying to live by the law. He had people that were always trying to answer why and they felt like I have to pay a price. How many of us have messed up? That's good. At least we don't have to talk about lying. Amen. And uh, how many of us have ever not, like you wanted to believe God, you wanted to believe God, but you messed up? And all of a sudden you're like, I can't believe them right now. I've, I've not done right. Anybody besides me? A lot. Why is it that we feel that way? Because we're trying to ask, essentially, why? We're living by the law even though Jesus fulfilled the law. We're still living by the law. We're still living by that law. We're asking why. Now it's not that we should sin... And obviously, uh, there is seed time and harvest. So if we sow the wrong things, we're going to harvest a harvest of those wrong things. So that's still true. But the focus is, what are we focused on? Are we focused on what we did right and what we did wrong? Or are we focused on what Christ did right? Right. Now watch, watch what they said. Who sinned? This man... Or his parents that he might be born blind. They're still trying to assign blame. They're trying to say why, why, why. Right? Now I want you to see this. Because when attacks come, guess what we try to do? Why did this happen? You know what's not important in that matter? To get to the solution? You don't need to know why it happened. You need the one who can break it. You need the one who can give you the victory in the attack. Now, it's good for you to allow the Lord to show you if you missed it, to judge ourselves in that. But dealing with the attack itself, that's discipleship. That's not the victory over the attack. That's saving you from future things, but not saving you in this one. 
We need to make sure that we go to Jesus as our solution provider uh, before we start asking all the why in that. We need to ask the why question like, Lord, did I miss something? That's what humility does. I, I could have missed something. Lord, if I missed it, please show it to me. I humble myself in front of you. And I, I, you love me and I want to love on you. And this is how I love on you, by living right. But listen, if I keep doing that same wrong thing, I'm going to keep having the same wrong harvest. So God wants to show us those things. But when you're moving in victory over that attack, here's what you've got to know. I'm going to tell you in a minute. Let's keep reading. All right. Watch what he says. Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents. What? He didn't sin and his parents didn't sin? Then why was he born blind? See, right there, what did we go to right away? Why? 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 Because the corrupted flesh nature and the nature of the law wants us to connect that dot. It wants us to live by the law and not love and by the Spirit. Listen, why did Jesus, since we're asking why, why did Jesus come to the earth? Why did we need a Savior? We needed a Savior because we as mankind had messed up. We had messed up. We sinned. We had messed up as a whole race. We sinned. That's why he had to come. Were we living right when he came? Did our solution over the attack of sin get fixed by us fixing it? We couldn't fix it till he came. Or did the solution come because he loved you? Long before we fixed the sin in our lives, he provided the solution. So what became important is not how we got there, but who loves us there, and then what are we going to do after? Do you remember the story of the adulterous woman? The adulterous woman was caught in the act of adultery. They try to trap Jesus. What does he do? He, does he say to the adulterous woman, go fix yourself, come back, and I'll forgive you? No, he says, woman, where are your accusers? And I don't accuse you either. Even though I have a right to, I'm choosing not to. Why? Because that's my love in action. I don't care how you got to this place. I'm just giving you the solution. But now let my solution that I give you empower you to go and sin no more. Oh, this is, a, this is preaching here. In other words, so this is not, God's not interested in you having to fix everything in your life first for Him to bless you. He's already chosen to bless you when He saw you at your worst. Amen. Romans chapter 5, it says in verse 6, verse 8, and verse 10, it says that we were sinners, we were helpless, we could not help ourselves, and it even goes as far to say we were enemies of God. We were enemies of God. And He says, that's when Christ died for us. That's when He came to the world. When we were at our worst, God said, I see you at your worst and I raise you my love. 
I see what you put on the table, and I don't care. I love you more than that. I love you more than that. Now see, here it is, while Jesus is here on the earth, and they're still going, why? 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 In other words, what they're trying to do is they're trying to fix themselves instead of just receiving his love. Because let me ask you something. Can you fix yourself if you haven't received his love? It's not possible. Over in 1 John 4, it says that if we don't love, we don't love because we don't know love. We can't do right if we haven't received his love. His love must come first. That is always number one. I must receive his love. No matter where I've been or what I've been up to, I've got to receive his love and his love will then empower me to walk it out right. So many people are trying to put the cart before the horse. They're like, matter of fact, just the other day I was talking to somebody and he says, I invited them to church. He said, well, I'll come to, I'll come to church sometime, but I got to get me right first. I'm like, well, how are you going to do that? I was like, or would you say I'll go to the hospital if I'm sick and dying? Would you say, well, I'll go to the hospital as soon as I get healed from sick and dying? No, that's what church is there for, is to help you start putting those places in. You wouldn't do that. You'd say, no, I need the hospital to help me. We need the church to help us. You don't wait till you get right to go to church. That's wrong thinking. That's looking at the why. No, I go there and I receive love so that then I can love back. This is part of the reason that people go, don't have victory over attacks is because they don't have any faith that God would help them because they're going, look at what I did. I messed up. I know I deserve this. Well, yeah, you might deserve this, but so did Jesus deserve to not go on the cross. And he said, I'll go on the cross and take your punishment and I'll take what you deserve. And now you take what I deserve. Here's your solution. Amen. That's your solution. And then we take that, our proper job is to take that solution and let it empower us to then say no to more sin. To say no to it. And that's the only way it actually works. It doesn't work any other way. That's another series and another message. But look, here's what he says. He says, Jesus answered, it was neither that this man sinned nor his parents, but it was so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, some people have taken this verse and they've said that God put this sickness on him so that he could look strong. Well, what a jerk that would be. That is bad doctrine. It's horrible doctrine. That's not it. That's not what's going on here. He's saying it doesn't really matter. How it got there, somebody's here now that can fix it. That's what he's saying. It doesn't matter how he got there, but you're going about to see what can happen because of the love of God. That's what he's saying. Then he says, while I'm in the world, he said, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. But while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he, had, when he had said this, he spat on the ground, made the clay of spittle, and applied it to the clay to his eyes. He said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which translated scent. And he, so he went and washed, and he came back seeing. God was, 
God was saying this through Jesus. He was saying, you're trying to ask who sinned more. He said, you're trying to figure out who sinned more and you need to recognize what you got in Jesus. You need to recognize who's standing in front of you this morning. You need to recognize who that crazy preacher up there is talking about. He's talking about the same Jesus who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It doesn't matter what you did to get into this mess. I know a Savior. I know a man named Jesus that can get you you out. He can take you out of that. It doesn't matter how you got there. What matters is who you know. Who are we talking about? We're talking about a Savior. We're talking about a power. He's saying, you need to know who's standing in front of you. And although you might not see Jesus in the flesh today, you're seeing his word. You can tell on the inside of you, faith is rising up. Faith is rising up. He's here. He's touching you through his Holy Spirit now. You need to recognize who's standing in front of me in the spirit right now today and what I need. If I need healing in my body, there's a man that has been manifested for me, gave his life, took stripes on his back. And when I get prayed for today, I'll be healed. I'll be healed sitting right in my chair. The power of God will start to work. I'll be healed right now. God will start giving you favor in your life. Jobs will open up. Promotion will open up. It'll start right now. He's writing your name on your employer's heart. Right now, He's writing your name on your boss's heart to give you a raise, to bring you out of that place. He's writing your name right now in the in the book of life so that he can call you his child. Say, there's my son. There's my daughter. They're a part of who I am. They're in the family. They might not have had much of a family here on earth, but they got one now. And I will not leave them like orphans, but I'll be with them. Put this up in the message, please. Verse 3, John 9, 3 in the message. Now just have it ready. Don't put it up yet, but just have it ready. John 9, 3 in the message. In both these stories, what's the flesh of man trying to figure out? Why? But you notice in both of these stories, Jesus doesn't really answer the question of why. Because the why is not important in the solution. What's important is who's standing in front of you offering you the solution. And right now, look, it's not Jesus in the flesh standing here. It's Brian Wright, a preacher who just decided to preach his word. But here's what the Bible teaches us, that through a man, the words of God can come and he can present Christ. He can present Jesus. So what's happening right in front of you is the words of Christ are being being presented to you. And you've got to recognize who's standing in front of you in the spirit. And you've got to say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. I'm going to trust you. And if you'll do that right now, the power of God can start to flood your life and turn everything around, no matter where you've been or where you've come from. There's hope in him. He's saying it doesn't matter the why. The question is, this is the important part that I was telling you earlier. Here's the question. No matter what happens, no matter what you see, no matter how you feel, God's saying this. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Doesn't matter why. The question is, do you trust me? Because here's the thing. No matter what happens, 
no matter what you see, how you feel, good, bad, indifferent, if you drop trust, we drop our part in the relationship and we disconnect from the giver of life. Will you trust me? And when we trust him, that means that we take action. You know, if we trust him, in other words, if God's telling me to step out, you know, if I'm up on a cliff and God's telling me to step out, you know, just using an example, I can't stand on the cliff and say I trust him and be truthful. In order to be truthful, I've got to step out into what I can't see. I've got to trust him. Look, you may be saying right now, I can't go to church every Sunday. I don't know how I'll, I'll get there. I don't even have a vehicle. You got to start saying, but Lord, no matter what I see, I'll trust you. I'm asking you now to help provide for me. Provide for me the gas. Provide for me the job. Provide for me the, the vehicle. You know, a couple of years ago, we gave away seven vehicles in this church. And we just do it at random. God just provided us vehicles that year. And I mean, we just walk up in the middle of the service and be like, here's a car. Seven of them. Is that right? Yeah. Amen. People coming to church that day. See, they should have been coming with childlike expectation like Christmas morning. But they didn't realize what God was up to. I'm serious. That's the way God, that's, that's what he was having us do at that time. We did it all the time. All the time. I want to do it even more. People think they're just coming to church. No, you're coming to a place who knows the solution and his name is Jesus and he knows how to get good things in the hands of people. You're not looking here at a church that's got, at this moment, 20,000 people sitting in it. But yet we can go to a city and give out hundreds and thousands of dollars to people. Why? Because we said, Lord, you told us to go. We're believing that you'll bring it in. You'll bring it in. You'll bring in the toys. You'll bring in the turkeys to give away at Norwood. You'll bring in the prizes. You'll bring in the stuff. You'll give us the money to help pay some bills. Why? Because right now, you might not have been at the place where you were trusting Jesus. We'll trust Him for you. That's the kind of family you want to hang around. Is a church that will say, I'll believe for you. I'll stand with you. Even if you slip and fall and you're not standing, we'll stand with you. We'll hold on to you. That's the kind of people you want to be around. And people that don't just, don't just play this game of, hey, it's pretty church, and we'll go for an hour, and then you'll be done, and you'll you know, beat everybody else to the restaurant. I, look, the restaurant is only taking money from me. In a restaurant, it might be giving me some food for the next few hours. I'm talking about life eternal that's in God. I don't care about that stupid meal. I care about a king. I care about a creator of the universe. I care about him. And we as a body do. We need to be around people that will honor him more than they'll honor their belly. Honor him more than the flesh. And all of a sudden, we'll start to see some supernatural things happen. We'll start to see like what we saw yesterday. Miracles, healing, deliverance. We'll start to see the power of God. But we need to go after Him. We need to trust Him. Father, no matter what we see, no matter what we run into, I will trust you. The question is not why. The question is, do you trust me? Do you trust me enough to listen to me when your flesh doesn't want to do it? Do you trust me enough to listen to, you, to me when what I'm telling you is illogical? Do you trust me? That's the issue. This is the work 
that you believe. This is the work of God that you believe. So many people are beat up by attacks because as soon as the attack comes, they know they did something wrong. They stop trusting God and they start looking at, I don't know how we're going to turn this around. I don't know how, I don't know what to do. You don't have to know what to do. You just have to know who to go to, who to connect to, who to trust. If you will start to trust on Jesus Christ, everything will start to line up. And you'll start to move into the place of blessing and blessing. And the blessings will just start piling up. You know, whereas used to, it was like a blessing every now and then. And you're like, praise God. All of a sudden, the blessings start piling up and running over. You won't be able to stop it. You won't know where. It's like they just come from everywhere. God talks about it. He says the blessings will overtake you. It's like you're running and you're trying to get away. And the blessing will be like, no, nope, come back here. <laughs> right? That's the way God wants the blessings to be in our life, for our bodies to be healed, for our finances to be healed, for our souls to be healed, for everything to be whole to the full till it's overflowing. So healed that everything that's good inside of us, that's God, we get around other people and it just starts overflowing into their lives and and it can't stop it. It just overflows all the time because we're just connected with him. We've trusted him. All of a sudden it just overflows everywhere we go. The love of God just overflows. Listen, every single one of you can walk in that overflow. I don't care who you are or where you've been. It doesn't make me special by being a preacher. It just makes me obedient. There's times I uh, I didn't want to be a preacher. There's times when I did. Some of the times I didn't want to be a preacher might surprise you. There's a whole bunch of Sunday mornings. <laughs> I didn't want to be a preacher. Why? Because there's attacks. But we don't live by feelings. We trust them. All of a sudden the attack comes. We say, Lord, I trust you. I might not feel like it this morning. But praise God, it's not based on me. It's based on you. And when I don't feel like it, all of a sudden, you come shining through. I was looking yesterday. I saw a couple of issues that needed praying over yesterday in the crowd. Things you could see were supernatural manifestation for healing needed to happen. And there for a split second, you know, I had the thought, I'm like, man, that's a big one. I don't know if I can believe for God for that. Instantly, the Holy Ghost is like, it's not about you. It's about me and what I've done. It's about me and what I've done. I was like, glory to God. I'm not, I'm not on the balance here. Jesus already put himself on the balance. And he came out the winner. Amen. He's already declared, I'm the healer. I'm the deliverer. I'm the protector. Amen. The issue when you come under attack to stay in victory is to understand this. Is that Lord, no matter what I see, no matter what I, what I feel, I trust you. I don't have to figure out the why right then to get the solution. The Lord will direct you. If you need to change, he'll be writing on your heart. You need to look at this. You need to change that. But you let his love be received first. And then that love will prompt you to make the change and empower you to do it as well. Victories over attacks, we got to trust him. I want to show you one more, one more thing. 
in the story of Job. I want to show you this. Job chapter 1 verse 20. Just get it ready. Job chapter 1 verse 20. Anybody ever heard of the story of Job? And let me just ask you this. Anybody just think about the latest attack that you've had. Think about the latest attack that you've had. Did it compare to the guys who were worshiping and their blood mixed with the idol, with the uh, sacrifices? Probably not. Now the devil makes, wants to make it feel like it's the biggest thing ever while you're in it. Because if he can make you feel like it's the biggest thing ever, guess what you'll do? Give up trust. Was it as big as the one where the tower fell on the folks? Was your attack that big where it caused your life? Well, no, you wouldn't be here if it was. Was your attack as big as Job's who lost his whole family, his business and everything? The only one who came out of it was his wife and she was no peach. Because in chapter 2, his wife tells Job, curse God and die. Well, isn't she lovely? <laughs> isn't she lovely? Thank you for not being Job's wife. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Proverbs 31 version a lot better. Curse God and die. Oh, that's, that's who you want around you. Yeah, that'll help your trust there. She's the only one who made it through. You know why she made it through? Job. <laughs> Who you hang around determines how your life will go. Who you hang around determines how your life will go. You hang around godly believing people, you'll start seeing more and more victory over tri and triumph. You hang around people that negative, criticizing, always not doing godly things, not having godly fruit, talking about the world, doing different things, then you'll have that. And hang around people that believe in the power of God, you'll start to see that. But I want to show you something about Job. So here's what happened. A lot of people think that God did those things to Job. He did not. It says the destroyer did those things, right? The destroyer did those things. But it wasn't Job. It wasn't God doing that to Job. But I do want to show you this. So if you go on reading through Job, Job doesn't know. There's a lot of stuff that Job does not know, right? And he says wrong things about God. He, has, he talks too much eventually. You know, I know we've never done that, right? But Job, <laughs> that's what I thought. You know, we blame God for a lot of stuff. Not too long ago, somebody was telling me how they were mad at God for something. It's like... God didn't do that. God didn't do that. And we have, to be, we have to watch what we say because death and life are in the power of the tongue. And, and what we say will help uh, found what we believe. We have to watch that. God didn't do it. See, it, it's uh, do we trust him? See, that's where the devil comes in and he starts throwing lies to us. And he starts trying to get us to believe that God was behind the bad. God wasn't behind it. God wasn't behind that. God was behind getting good to you. 
God was behind protecting you. God was behind healing you and delivering you. There's reason stuff happened. It's not that it, figuring out the why is all bad, but it's in the middle of it. What do we believe and who do we trust? Because that will determine how we come out. That will determine how we have the victory. I want to show you something with Job because it's very important with Job. All of a sudden, here he is. He loses not just you know, one or two of his family. He loses everybody except for his wife. He loses all of his business. He loses everything. A lot of people don't realize that Job, most scholars believe that Job actually took place within a year or two. It was not a long drawn out process. It was within a year or two. And in a year or two, he went from losing everything to being 100% completely restored and given back double. Now, here's the thing. Not only was he restored, but could he really be restored? Hear this, hear this. Could he really be restored if his mind was not restored in peace as well? So see, God could even give that peace where we didn't even think it was possible. He, he gives a peace where we didn't even think, and I didn't even think I could get to the place of a sound mind again after that attack. But God brings even that restoration. So Job went from losing everything to being completely restored, even being at peace in his heart and mind. But how did he get there? Right after all of this stuff happened, let me show you what Job did. Look at this, verse 20. Job chapter 1, verse 20. Then Job arose. Now listen, he doesn't know why. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know why everything happened. Actually, he's, he's really confused at this point. And he goes on to say a lot of crazy stuff. Like one of the things he said that was wrong. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. No, the Lord gives. He said that wrong. He thought wrong about the Lord. He thought the Lord was behind it. He wasn't behind it. He arose. He doesn't know why. He doesn't understand. He doesn't get all of this stuff. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshipped. <coughs> He's saying, Lord, I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened. I don't know anything about that. But here's what I know. Lord, no matter what happened, I trust you. I'll worship you. And that moment right there, that act right there, set about a restoration in his life. And within just a small amount of time, he was completely restored and made whole. But it started at the same place. When the attack comes, Father, not why, but I'll trust you. I might not know why, I might not know how, but Lord, I trust you. And when we learn to trust in God, all of a sudden we instantly step into the beginnings of our victory. We instantly step into the beginnings of our restoration. But why? Because God is worthy of trust. He's not withholding any good thing. He loves you with an everlasting love. He's called you 
to be blessed. He, he desires that you always have triumph. And see, what you'll face right now is, Lord, will you really do it? And see, what's happening? That's our physical mind, our corrupted mind going, am I going to trust? I don't know that you can. Don't worry about trying to figure it out logically because the help that you need is not logical help. You need supernatural help. The help that you need is not something that logic can provide. The help that you need is a move from heaven, a supernatural move into your life. You don't need a physical. If physical could fix it, you would have done fixed it. You need supernatural. So your logic is almost never going to line up with the supernatural. Your logic's never going to come to that place where the wise all work and fit for you. The question is... Do we trust God? Do we trust Him? Do we trust Him with our life? Do we trust Him to be obedient to Him? Do we trust Him, him enough to follow Him and to discipline our actions and, our, and our, our prayers after? Do we trust Him enough to discipline our whole lifestyle? Well, everybody else is going this way, but God has told me to do this. It doesn't make sense, but Lord, I trust you. I'm reminded of a minister I know. God told him to invest this way. And the, and the guy with the investment, he said, he said, nobody's doing that. He said, you'd be the only one. I got to warn you, I do not recommend, I do not recommend investing in what you're investing in. I don't recommend that. He said, doesn't matter what you recommend. I heard from the Lord. I'm trusting God. And he invested. All of a sudden, the market turned. Everything went from going that way to going that way. He was the only one, the only client in the whole investment. We're not, and, and this particular investment place is Citibank. The only client they had that made money. The only one. Matter of fact, so much so that all these worldly logical people said, next time God tells you to do something, would you let us know? <laughs> it's not a matter of what's logical. We don't need what's logical. We need supernatural. And supernatural doesn't always make sense. The help that we need, uh, we, there's a lot of people that doctors can't heal. There's a lot of people that another job ain't going to fix. I need the favor of God. I need something supernatural. I need the power of God. And I'm telling you right now, I'm standing in front of you presenting the one who brings the supernatural. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Now right now, I ask you, in a few minutes, we're going to have some more of the giveaways that we had talked about yesterday. We're looking forward to that. But before we do, let's receive something that's bigger than the giveaway. Now let's receive something from somebody who can make us the giver and not the a receiver. Let's, let's talk about somebody who can change our whole lives. And right now, this is what I want. If you're sitting here, Justin, will you grab that? If you're sitting here and you're saying, I need some victory over an attack, I want you to come forward. If you're sitting here and you're saying, I need finances in my life, I want you to come forward. I'm going to pray for you. If you're sitting there and you're saying, I need healing in my body. I need protection for my family. I need restoration in my mind. I need healing in my mind. I need peace. I need joy. I need life again. I need something. I don't even know what to call it, but I need something. I want you to come up. If you're saying, 
What you need is a connection to the life giver. What you need is a connection to the source of all life. And his name is Jesus. And all we're going to do is we're going to pray. And when we pray, those things are going to happen today. In your life, in your body, in your bank account, those things are going to happen today. I need a job. I need whatever. Why? Because I'm going to introduce you to a Savior. And his character is to save you from whatever it is you need saving from. So I'm going to ask you just to, if you need to come up, come up right now and we're going to pray. Let's just play some music in the background. I'm, I need some victory over attacks. I need strength. I need health. I need joy. Just come on down now. I need solutions. I need wisdom. Lord, I need you. See, by you coming down, here's what you're saying by you coming down. You're saying, Lord, I can't do this on my own. And I don't know why, and I don't have to know why. But Lord, here's what I do. I trust you. I trust you. Glory to God. Lord, I trust you. I trust you. Just close your eyes right now. Just lift your hands to heaven. Worship in Him like Job did. Lord, I don't know why. I don't know how. But here's what I know. I trust you and I worship you. I trust you and I worship you. And just like the man who was blind, Jesus said, you're about to see what I can do. Now, if you're, still, if you're still sitting there and you're saying, you know what, I need to see what Jesus can do. You can come on down now. You don't have to, even if you didn't come on at first, come on at any time. Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you, Lord, and I trust you. My life is changing today. In other words, Jesus stood in front of that man and he, he represented today. Life comes to your house. Today, life comes to your body. Today, solutions come alive. Today, everything changes. Today, favor comes. Men start to look at you and smile, not be gruff with you. Men and women, they start to look at you and they think happy thoughts instead of being irritated and, and ticked off at you. Because today, God's touching me with favor in my life. Today, it's changing. Just say it with me no matter where you're at. Everybody sitting down or standing saying, Today, Today everything's, changing. everything's changing. Jesus is doing, Jesus is doing a, supernatural work a supernatural work in my life. In my life. Glory to God. Listen, when I pray for you, things are going to change right then. Right then. Things are going to change right then. But it's not going to change because I'm something special by myself. It's going to change because of Jesus. Because of a connection to Him. A connection to Him. So that connection is what will feed your life. And so right now, let's just make that connection what we need it to be. Whether you're up here or whether you're seated... Let's just pray this right now. Faith has risen in your heart. Now you speak with your mouth these words. Just say, Father, right now, 
I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He's the director of my life. He calls the shots and I'll be obedient. And I believe all of my mess, all of my sin, all of my junk, my sickness, disease, lack in any way, He took it on Himself on that cross and it killed Him. But I believe that God brought him back to life and raised him up from the dead. And when God raised him up, he raised me up. And I'm no longer in that place of death. Today is my day. He's raising me up. I'm connecting to my life source. He's my life source. Jesus is my life source. He's my everything. Jesus, baptize me with the Holy Ghost and fire to live this thing out and to walk from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from blessing to blessing, starting today. In Jesus' name. I receive it all. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Now just keep your head bowed for just a second. Just a second. Now if you prayed that today and you needed to pray that prayer, whether you're standing up here or sitting in the back, if you needed to pray that prayer, will you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. I needed to, just keep it up. I needed to pray that today. I needed that. Glory to God. Just keep them raised for a second. Father, right now, for every person with their hand raised, I just pray in Jesus' name. Let the blessing of God be on them. Let it fall on them. Holy Spirit, help them, teach them. Lord, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Sotra mo.